Welcome to the Lost Gardens of Heligan podcast, Beauty in All Things. I'm Alistair Moore, Head of Gardens and Estate, and each month we'll be revealing the inner workings of Heligan in all its glory, from soil to seeds, bulbs to bees, past, present and future, all from right here in the Lost Gardens of Heligan on the Cornish coast. Soil is a very small word for a very extraordinary world. Healthy soil is not so much a single entity, but more an ecosystem built from organic material, minerals, air and water. It is a world populated with a myriad of living things. In fact, just a tablespoon of soil contains more living organisms than there are people on the planet. All these elements work together to a relentless, pulsating rhythm of transformation, creation, death, decay, and irrepressible, glorious life, providing sustenance and good health for our plants. The relationship between a plant and the soil is not passive, but dynamic. And the most dynamic bit of this is the soil biology. The bacteria, the fungi, protozoa, nematodes, worms, beetles, bugs, and even slugs. In the productive gardens at Heligan, we've spent the past 30 years feeding the soil with lashings of organic matter in the form of well-rotted farmyard manure and seaweed. Following the traditional horticultural methods and skills that are at the heart of Heligan, we have dug manure into the soil to give it real beef. But as we discover more about the soil and its biology and the relationship between that biology and plants, we are looking at these garden practices in a rather different light. So today I'll be discussing the delights of soil and heligan with Nicola Bradley, our wonderful head gardener, and also with none other than Sir Tim Smith, Regenerator, patriarch, and prime mover of the Lost Gardens of Heligan. I'm standing in glorious January sunshine, feeling a little bit of the warmth in Heligan's marvellous kitchen garden. Nearly two acres of prime horticultural alchemy that produces extraordinary a range of heritage vegetables throughout the year. And, even better, I'm standing here with my friend and colleague, Sir Tim Smith. Good afternoon, Tim. Good afternoon. And we're here to talk about soil, aren't we? We certainly are. And I'm going to start the conversation with a a slightly general, but I hope creative question of, what does soil mean to you, Tim? Oh, soil is just, it's just the best, isn't it? I mean, is there a human being that's seeing soil naked in front of them is not excited. I know I am. (laughs) No, well, the the truth is that without soil, of course, there'd be um, no human life, and the story of cultivation, uh, of course, tells you everything you need to know about horticulture. It comes from culture, to cultivate. So basically, us horticulturists are right at the nexus of what has become culture and civilization thereafter. And how appropriate that we're here talking about soil and the art of soil and the genius of the structure of soil because 
Um, we're sitting, aren't we, at a crossroads, and we were talking about it before we came on air. Um, the world of soil has come to everybody's attention as if it's a surprise, uh, <laughs> mainly because, what is it, that uh, Joni Mitchell phrase, you don't know what you had until it's gone. Um, and an awful lot of our soil has gone, hasn't it? Because uh, uh, we've been using it in the wrong way and it's been eroding and blowing off. So the ocean is full of it. And parts of Lincolnshire have only got maybe 60 harvests left, so we're told. What do you think about that? Well, I think it's a very pertinent um, question to ask, and particularly as we're where we're stood. There's a wonderful little, probably a tennis court-sized piece of ground that's just been cultivated. And, of course, cultivation in itself is now becoming something of a challenging subject it was it was interesting there's a beautiful photograph of uh, one of our gardeners from about 20 years ago um, double digging the soil here and when that photograph was taken of course it was just a, a beautiful portrait of um, a horticulturist at work but now it's it it it's almost controversial in as much as cultivating the soil is part of the issues that you've been talking about, both in terms of the disruption to soil biology and how that biology interacts with um, plant growth, but also carbon and the release of carbon. Carbon dioxide is obviously our, our sort of greater enemy at the moment. And so the conversation we're having at Heligan is very much how do we continue to... Um, demonstrate the enormous skill and expertise of head gardeners past and present in terms of producing um, regular crops, but also mitigate all of the negative results of cultivating soil. And I think that's a, it's, a, it's a, a very sort of prescient subject and one that's pressing upon us. So the next five years for us at Heligan it's going to be all about tackling those subjects. The truth is you are looking at the most extraordinary engine that stops you starving. April used to be known as the starving month, the dying month because if you had not been able to cultivate this soil so skillfully that you were growing things that ripened in series so you always had something. So you were not just talking about flavour, you were not just talking about yield you're also talking about resilience to pest and disease and also keeping qualities and this is in the ages before refrigerators this is a stroke of genius there's never a day that i come to these gardens that i don't sort of if you like metaphorically doff my cap because you could grow everything here this is a model of sustainability so it's how ironic that we're talking about issues of sustainability in terms of the soil um I know you're very interested in it, and I, 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 I wonder, because one of the things that interests both of us is that the French gardeners, for example, uh, used to go and work for their lords, and they owned the soil, the manufacture of soil. Um, their terroir, as was, meant that if he was fired, the gardener would move on and bring carts and remove the soil. So I wonder what your view is, Asa, as we look, we look here. This soil is very, very dark, isn't it? Um, and I think reflects, you know, many, many years, probably centuries, of the addition of bits of um, soot and things in the winter months to make sure it absorbs as much sunlight as possible. And uh, 
a lot of human night soil has gone in there as well. This is a rich, a rich soil, isn't it? Well, I think what is so special about the soil here is exactly as you d- described. This is centuries of work, and it's what the sort of technical phrase for it would be anthropomorphic soil, mm. in as much as this has been. This is a real sort of product, not just of mineral, oxygen, water, organic matter, but this is about human endeavour. And also, as you touched on so discreetly, some human waste as well. But the work that has gone into this is um, generational. And the other, I think one of the... One of the aspects of it that's so important now is understanding in terms of the manure that's um, put through the soil. Every five years there's a, a rotation um, which involves double digging, which that process is actually um, delivering a huge amount of carbon storage into the soil. We, had a, we got involved with the Soil Carbon Project, which is... Um, was very much being led by uh, a number of of farms and gardens within Cornwall. And the the delight, despite knowing how much cultivation goes on in this beautiful garden, the delight at seeing the levels of carbon storage in this this heavily tilled soil was wonderful. And that's such a reflection of that anthropomorphic, that human... Um, influence on on the soil. In a way, this is a work of art. The the, the excitement is that it, it it is it's like outer space. We've got, as you said, you know, bill- mm. tablespoon of soil. There's more living organisms in that tablespoon than there are humans on the planet. I know, I know. It's just bonkers. Well, isn't it amazing that we're looking out across all this soil here, and it's an alien living thing. It's a skin. Yeah. It is a skin. It's the skin of planet Earth. Absolutely, and and that that oh, I love that Tim because it is it is the Earth's mantle is is one description of it. But it genuinely it's this interface between all the critical kind of the atmosphere, the lithosphere, the rock, um, the biosphere. So everything living. The, the the whole point of our conversation here is to. Uh, convey first of all our excitement about soil which is a subject which other people might say oh there's a bunch of nerds having a yak (laughs) but almost everybody who's into gardening who's into even having a house plant must think go and look at that soil again for a moment and see whether you see it a bit like you know when you see an old friend um with the sun coming through a window and suddenly you realize that they don't look like you remember them looking because you suddenly see them from a new angle so what I'd like for everybody who's on this podcast is to go and look at soil again and ask yourself about it. And don't use the word dirt to describe it. You're actually looking at the stuff of life. And once you see it in that way, you think of it as being glorious. We should be calling it hope, I think. Hope. I think um, in terms of us being able to find our way out of um, the rather problematic situation we find ourselves in in terms of of species survival, um, biodiversity, etc. I I feel my hope resides in the soil. I'm currently standing in the kitchen garden. 
two acres of finely honed horticultural alchemy. It's a glorious winter's day, clear skies and a veil of frost lying across every available space. The apple arch, which runs through the centre of the kitchen garden, is looking beautiful. Leafless and all gnarly pruned silhouettes, but delicately backlit with that pale gold of a January sun that warms the spirit if nothing else. Safe to say, life's not too bad. In front of me are lines of winter brassicas, kale and cabbage, and beyond that is a dark carpet of freshly turned soil. At the other end of the garden, I can just see the energetic figures of Craig and Archie digging away, and I'm waiting to meet up with my friend and colleague, Nicola, who's Helligan's head gardener. Nicola is an absolute star, one of the very kindest people you could ever wish to meet. Nicola ran Helligan's Productive Gardens for ten years before becoming head gardener. The Productive Gardens are run on the principles and model of a country house kitchen gardens circa 1900. Um, This in itself is extremely demanding, but at Heligan it is even more complicated as we grow far more varieties than any sane Victorian head gardener would ever think sensible. Conducting this fiendishly complex horticultural symphony is an incredible challenge. The composer of this symphony is a chap called Philip McMillan Browse, and he has stated that in 30 years, only one person has ever been able to deliver it, and of course that was Nicola. I can't imagine doing my job without Nicola. So Nicola and I will be discussing the kitchen garden, soil, and the future of growing at Halligan. Nicola, today I was hoping we could have a bit of a chat about um, soil and the rotations and cultivation processes we go through um, with the kitchen garden. So I, I wonder if you'd just start off with just giving us an idea of what those rotations consist of. Yeah, sure. So we currently, this year, have a five-year crop rotation. We have previously done six, but this year, for um, various reasons, we've altered the rotation a wee bit. Um, so our first bed is our um, will be our potatoes and our winter brassica bed. So the autumn previous to that, we double dig. So we put a lot of organic matter deeper into the soil so we measure out the beds four foot rows each row we put canes down every four foot so we um so it's very systematic and very even how we um put the organic matter into the soil so dig out your first trench um about spades depths deep and then give it a good forking over barrow of manure in and then you um backfill that trench by digging out the next trench in the line so as each time you go you open up a trench and then you backfill it as you open up the next trench if that makes sense as you move down the line so that's um, lots of organic matter goes in for the first year for those hungry crops potatoes and brassicas so the second year in the cycle is going to be the root bed so all carrot um, sorry all parsnips and beetroot and various different root crops Um, so 
thinking about roots it's got to grow down into that soil so it wants to be nice and um, light so all the organic matter that went in a year ago should have rotted down really well and it's nice and deep so it shouldn't be interfering with those new little roots that are growing and they're all very delicate and if they hit a big piece of organic matter then they're likely to get distorted or forked so perfect um, conditions in the second year um, for, for growing roots lucky roots <laughs> um, so then going into the third year so that's our legume bed which is our peas and beans so after the um, all the root crops come out the bed gets single dug which is just a, a much smaller trench um, that you dig out and then um, turn the soil um, on a much more sort of um, simple level, much quicker than double digging. Um, and then we um, sow our peas and beans. And peas and beans are great because they actually um, fix nitrogen naturally in the soil. So if you pull the plant out, um, you can see on the roots they have these little white uh, nodules and that's, they, that's where the nitrogen is produced and that gets fixed in the soil. So we grow them to eat or to save the seed but you know um, legumes can be grown as a, as a crop to nourish the soil as well so really really very useful crop in that sense of soil um, nutrition and so um, after the peas and beans come out so we single dig again and then we are going to be growing uh, the cucurbits in year four so that's all the pumpkins and squashes and because again you think about pumpkin and all the big leaves and the big large fruits that developed or lots of little fruits then you know hungry plants again so we need to add a bit more back into the soil we're sort of over halfway through the cycle the previous crops have taken quite a bit from the soil so adding that little bit of extra nutrition back in is is really great for the pumpkins so we'll dig out a planting hole about sort of a couple of spades width and a spade steps down fork it out put in a good old pile of manure backfill mound the soil back over it so you create a little planting mound and that does two things it's because usually i know we've had some dry summers recently but usually cornish summers can be quite wet and pumpkins and squashes are prone to rotting so having that mound means that the water kind of drains away from the stem back down into the soil and the manure underneath catches the moisture so it retains moisture in the soil which is really useful obviously for the plant's roots but it also adds a little bit of an extra nutritional boost to the soil as well for the pumpkins to grow into so so they get that extra boost so again once all the pumpkins come out we single dig the soil again and this is one of our the gardener's favorite parts in the cycle because it's a chance for a lovely day out on the beach if the weather's good <laughs> we all go down to port melon and we gather seaweed so um this is in preparation for the fifth year of the cycle which will be the alliums um so again so autumn time ideally um we go down and just uh, be clear the alliums for those who yes, might not sorry, understand your technical term so that's all your kind of onion related um crops so onions shallots uh, leeks and sort of little oddities like potato onions multiplier onions that kind of thing 
Um, so yeah, so we go down and we gather huge quantities of seaweed and it just comes straight up as the sooner you can get it onto the beds, the better. Cause if you leave it lying around, it's a very stinky job <laughs> and it's not pleasant anymore. Um, as soon as you can, you bring it up straight out onto the bed, nice thick uh, layer. So that's great. That's covering the soil. It's a good weed suppressant, but it's also, um, you know, it's got lots of micronutrients in it. But it's a great soil conditioner. It rots down very quickly, um, creates um, sort of, you know, binds the soil really well, makes a really nice structure. Um, so that will be really almost pretty gone, you know, almost rotted away and gone. Just a, a very thin layer left on the soil when we want to plant in with um, shallots and onion sets sort of um, late February um, time so, so that's the final uh, part of the rotation Wonderful, the famous five so Nicola when we're thinking about the soil in 2022 we've come a bit of a way in terms of our understanding I mean it's of, of soil and in particular of soil biology, I mean it's safe to say that we we kind of know Science knows about 3% of the 100% that is the incredible world of soil. But we are beginning to learn a lot more about the disruption that excessive cultivation and tillage can cause to the soil biology and the relationship, the vital relationship that has with plant roots and nutrition, etc., etc. So just be interesting, because I know you've been thinking about this a great deal in terms of the rotations and um, the turning of the soil we do and it would be just really interesting to describe the the sort of stage we're at at the moment in our thinking. Yeah sure certainly exactly what you're saying I think all of our gardeners are very aware of um, you know how we we should be managing the soil moving forwards and um, you know our, our care and attention of it so you know I, I think um there's so you know there's to change it entirely and very quickly is there's so many things to think about and to do that well and to understand about what we're doing and how that works is something that we're all that we're in the process of but we wanted to start just making some changes that we knew we could do quite simply and we could hopefully see the effect of of that moving towards potentially changing the, the amount of times that we that we do turn the soil and just when we've talked about the rotation there we've we've sort of looked at a few areas where we think we can actually do quite easily and that falls between um sort of the end of year two of that cycle so once the roots come out of the beds and they'll have you know they'll have kind of gone down and worked their way through the soil quite a bit through it for us anyway so if we're careful about how we harvest the crops that year and how we compact the soil and impact on the soil you know if we make sure that we probably have harvesting paths and then we look at after the root crop comes out we can put good layers of mulch on the bed um, ready to plant uh, sow uh, seeds for the 
legume crop the next season and again that year be very careful about how we walk on the beds how we harvest the beds and um you know we'd we'd be quite happy to again if we you know if you take remove the upper level of that crop but leave the roots in the ground that still can be adding the nitrogen that we talked about that legumes put in the soil and you know moving on to the to the next year which would be the pumpkins and squashes or maybe still adding a little bit of extra in because we know that they enjoy that um, little bit of extra goodness but minimal amount of tilling again just working the area where individual plants are going in so it you know it's it's small steps for us to start understanding about how potentially you know we we may remove digging from the cycle altogether at some point but we we need to uh to sort of to to just learn as we go as to how we do that well interesting times ahead i think it's that typically and wonderfully elegant thing about holding on to the best of the old but using all the information and all the um new knowledge of contemporary times to be able to come up with the perfect solution so thank you nicola that was fascinating insight and we look forward to more journeys into the soil so cheerio nicola thanks alistair bye Thank you so much for joining us for this episode of the Lost Gardens of Heligan's podcast, Beauty in All Things. For more information on this episode, do visit our website, heligan.com. In February, we'll be exploring more of the beautiful world of Heligan. And if you enjoyed this episode of Beauty in All Things, please don't forget to subscribe. So once again, thank you all so much for listening and keep on being beautiful. <laughs>